Welcome to the Gridiron Show, back on UK soil, but still reeling from Monday night football. Coming up, we'll tell you our final few days of our trip, uh, bring some of our experiences to you, and we'll preview massive slates of Thanksgiving games. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with me, Will Gavin, and Ollie Hunter, who is on the line from his bed, I think. Hey, Ollie, how are we doing? I've made it downstairs, but <laughs> we, I, we arrived, this is uh, currently Thursday morning, and we arrived on Wednesday afternoon. I've had maybe, I don't know, four or five hours sleep i'm absolutely shattered how have you only had four or five hours sleep i yesterday i got in and i slept for four hours yesterday afternoon and then i went to bed last night at like 10 slept for another six or seven hours i honestly i i think i've slept like 12 hours of the last 16 17 easily i had three hours when i got in couldn't sleep again until about uh five o'clock this morning and then I had another three hours. Okay, so I've had about six hours, but still it's it's broken, it's messed up, can't sleep. Coming from, from the west coast of the United States to, to here is an absolute nightmare. Now, if I was an NFL team, I'd have this all sorted out. I'd have this all, um, I'd, I'd have a, a sleep pattern sorted and dietary pattern and all, and all of that, but I'm not an NFL team. I'm just a clown and I can't get it right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so we've been back now for a little less than 24 hours and we would have done a podcast while we were still out there. But the, the fact is, is we did, we, we got into LA, beautiful, had a great time there. We were there for, for four nights. Uh, across those four nights, we had a big night out with Erica Tamposi, which we won't reveal too much about, but it was really good fun. I'll say that much. She is an absolute delight, a fantastic host, and I'm a bit good we didn't get to see her again while we were there. Saturday, Eddie, 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 oh, Eddie Spaghetti, yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, Eddie Spaghetti was there. Who was he's a very, very Sully. good looking man, and Sully, oh. who was a delight. Who was we? I was told that Sully was quite a unique individual, and he was in the best way possible. Was it what? Yeah. What a lovely group of people, and they did uh, initially offer us to uh, go and see the the NFL studios and stuff on the on the Tuesday after the game. But I think we were all so destroyed from the game on Monday night that even if we had booked it, we may not have made it there. I think that's a great shout. Yeah, it was um, Monday night. It was an assault on all of the senses. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. We had then Saturday. We went to the USC UCLA game, which was fantastic. Popped to the wrestling for a few hours, and then went out in uh, Venice Beach with Chris Wessling, with Lakeisha, Mark Sessler, Brassy, um, and and again. A wonderful time was had by all. We had some of the best burgers uh, I had in the entire time we were away in Hinano's. Uh, and uh, it was just, again, brilliant hosts, lovely people. I, I'm already yeah. excited to see them all again in Atlanta. Yeah, it was, yeah. The Hinano's was, was a really, really cool bar. The Doors used to play there, uh, right on Venice Beach. Brilliant place. They only sold beer and wine. So, um, that was that was problematic was it problematic because i got pretty drunk both nights we were in there that's exactly what i'm saying sometimes (laughs) sometimes 
sometimes you want to move on to a short or whatever. Uh, there's only so much Pacifico that one can drink. And that's not true. And I drank it. <laughs> you drank all of it. It was gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we had, uh, and, and then we had Sunday the Chargers game, followed by Survivor Series, followed by back to Hinano's. And then that Monday night football game, it was brilliant last three or four days of the trip. And honestly, I know we were saying it last time, but the, the, the people who came, the, the 26 who were there originally, plus Ben, who was fantastic the whole time, the 16 who came onto Los Angeles, the five who stayed with us for Monday night football as well, who I don't think regretted that extra several hundreds of dollars that they spent to do so. Just a wonderful group. And I love that the chat is still going two days later on the WhatsApp and everything. So honestly, the the... Time of my life. I had a wonderful, wonderful time. Everyone who we're back with is saying, we saw the Insta stories, loved your work, loved seeing what you're doing. This is no word of a lie. Conversation I've had this morning, Ollie, with the social media team here. They're talking about maybe sending out a member of the social media team with us to the Super Bowl this year. And seeing the stuff that we were posting on social media while we were out there has helped convince them that it'd be a good idea to have somebody there. Wow. How great wow, that's is that? A- that's amazing. That's complete news to me. That's incredible. Yeah, that's because we didn't don't like to talk unless we're talking into microphones after. Look, that's that's the, the real question, Ollie. You, you've struggled to sleep the last two days. Is it not having the reassuring snore of Will Gavin next to you? It's a hundred percent that uh, <laughs> the radiator is freezing back here. It's absolutely freezing. My my house is 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 so cold, and I just need the the radiator that is Will Gavin next to me. That's all I need. Oh, buddy. Well, it didn't help you on the plane, so who's saying it's going to help you now? Oh, it didn't. (laughs) So uh, coming up, we'll speak about uh, the Thursday night games, the Thanksgiving, and we'll be joined by Jacob from Skybet as well to to look forward and preview those. Um, The games this weekend, I mean, USC, UCLA, these aren't two great teams, but wasn't it great to be back in the college environment again in a big rivalry game? got out into the tailgate again. We were right by the band, and it just yet again showed why get out and see some college football in the States. Get out and see the NFL in the States as well. Yes, we got lucky with the overall quality of games. I think five out of the seven games we saw were brilliant. But just in terms of the the quality atmosphere, the fans, everything associated with it, I know we bang on about it, but go take an opportunity. Do it with touchdown trips, obviously, because they'll get you the best deal, but... Get out and see games and get out and see college games because they stand out as my favourite experiences. Well, and the, the I think only 16 or 15 of the, or so went to the Stanford game. And how much the, those guys and we were banging on about it, I think a few regretted it. Maybe not Steve Tofty who went to go, go and watch the, uh, the, the Warriors, but some of them regretted not going to it because they didn't then go on and see the, the UCLA USC game in the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl's iconic. It was great. Uh, I had a, a Bloody Mary, which really helped things along. In oh the my morning. god, well, Ollie! So we'd been out on the Friday night, the the, the Tamposi night, and we'd had a great time. And we'd got up the next morning and had to go to USC UCLA. That was the worst I felt the whole tour from a kind of hangover and fun times perspective. And so Ollie decided to order a Bloody Mary while I disappeared off around the corner from the bar we were in to just eat some breakfast tacos and try and avoid the smell of alcohol. And it was the strongest Bloody Mary I've ever seen in my life. And honestly, Ollie, I thought you might have been drugged because you were a wonderful mess. Yeah, I really was. I really, really was. It was so strong. But it carried me through that that uh, through all the way to 
the uh, to, to through all the way to the Rose Bowl. What a, and then regaling in uh, in a, in a, a drunken order in the uh, in the tailgates, chatting to some local locals. So in that way, it was good. In very various other ways, it really messed me up. It wasn't uh, just ch- talking to the locals in the tailgate. It was also chatting up male bar staff in the uh, not that there's anything yeah. wrong with chatting at male bar staff but you must have told that man he was one of the most attractive men you've ever met in your life at least seven or eight times he was a good looking fella good looking fella um i, I don't regret anything <laughs> I, I love that ollie i really do <laughs> Sunday, Chargers, Broncos. I mean, I kind of feel like it's Wednesday and uh, Thursday now, and there's no need for us to give the takeaways from that game. But the main thing, just to take away, is the third time we've seen the Chargers this year. And for the third time, they were unable to put a game away properly. I mean, I know we saw them win by two scores against the Raiders, but they let the Raiders stay in that game till very late. They let the Titans almost beat them. And then they let the Broncos actually beat them. Three teams who they're all superior to on the field. And just an inability to finish off drives, an inability to kill off games. And when you consider what we're seeing from the likes of the Chiefs and the Steelers right now, plus you know the Patriots will still be hanging around, I fear the Chargers are going to pull a bit of a Bengals this year and they'll be done with the first round of the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And they, they, they have all of the talent in the world. And Joey Bosa was back and they've, they've, they look good on both sides of the ball. It, but... The the special teams have really let them down. They had a couple of dodgy calls in that fourth quarter as well that went the Broncos' way. The Broncos then managed to managed to pick up a couple of really big first downs, moving the chains, which really punched the Chargers in the gut. But aside from all of that, what a great place to watch football! That stadium, the StubHub Center, is it, it's. Um, it, it's it's a superb little venue. I think it's to thirty thousand, twenty eight thousand, all packed in. The sun going down. Um, it, it, there's not a bad seat in the house. The press box is open air. It's a great place to watch football. Yeah, I, I the atmosphere was fantastic, and there was this, the idea. I, I think like I heard, I listened to the around the NFL podcast on uh, my on the flight back and I heard them talking about how it was 60 40 Broncos fans something I discovered by going to the game is that what the Chargers fans do it, it isn't good that it is 40 to 50 percent opposition fans in there obviously but again it lends to like we're talking about in Seattle that kind of soccer football style atmosphere but what I did learn is that the cameras face the side of the stadium where the sun goes. And essentially, the Chargers have allowed the Broncos to take those tickets. The side where the press box is and the side behind one end zone is like 90% Chargers fans. So I actually still think there was a majority Chargers fans. And when you listen to third downs, there was definitely louder for the Chargers. I'm not saying it's not embarrassing that they have so few fans they can't fill a 26,000-seat stadium. But... I, I, I do also think this idea that it's a majority, it's like a home game for the road team, that sort of thing. That's a bit of a misnomer when you're actually attending in person. Well, and also, any away fan that was there was wearing the bright orange Broncos uniform. None of them were wearing the road uniform. So the orange really stands out, whereas the Chargers, they have the royal blue, they have the dark blue, they have the powder blue, they have the white, they have people wearing just normal normal uniforms you saw some uh, normal jerseys so I, I think it it does look more stark when you see loads of orange in the stands but i don't 
just as you're you're right, just being there, it did seem louder. It did seem like there were more Chargers fans. So it, yeah, it's a bit of a, a misnomer looking on TV and seeing all of that orange, but actually that wasn't the case. The rest of the stadium. And then there was Monday Night Football. Oh, I, I'm I, I'm happy to reveal that I, it cost me. So what, what would you work out? It's about £500 odd to stay for the extra, the, the flight, the, the luggage for the flight, the hotel yeah. room for the extra night, and the and the game ticket itself because we got rejected media passes because there were so many media coming up from Mexico with the game being moved. It was a very dramatic moment when we found out the game was being moved. We were in some diner in uh, in kind of back end, well, no, it was Reading in Oregon, in fact, so a back end of nowhere place, much like Reading in the UK. Uh, and... I knew immediately I wanted to do it, but it took us a day or so to convince ourselves into doing it. Honestly, one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's the first game that you and I, certainly that I have been to as a fan. And you, I think the same for you, Ollie. Probably since the tour we did back in 2013, that we went to just in the stands, not as press. And I just had one of the best experiences. The whole day was fantastic. And the Coliseum is a wonderful, wonderful venue to watch football in, even if it is a crumbling mess at this point with overpriced uh, beer and, you know, difficult to get into and not very comfortable seats and all that stuff that comes with an older stadium. But wow, what an atmosphere it was on Monday night. And it was an incredible atmosphere. You kind of heard heard it on the TV. But actually being there, it was so loud all the time and it wasn't as loud as CenturyLink because it the rose uh, the, the Coliseum goes outwards there are no roofs to keep the sounds in but I know there were, it, it was 77,000 I think was the official attendance but it really felt like there was more there was a good lot of um, of Chiefs fans there as well there were so many Ch- Rams fans it was a, it was an incredible incredible atmosphere Loud on first downs, loud on seconds, loud on thirds, loud like deafening on turnovers or on those um, two def- on those three defensive touchdowns or on the winning touchdown. It was an incredible, incredible experience. The best, the best sporting experience I've had as a neutral fan, and I, I absolutely loved it. We started off the day by going to the uh, to the Rams tailgate. What, what did, we, did we do anything before that? I'm trying to think what we did in the morning. Oh yeah, we went and did some touristy stuff. Then we went off to Griffith Observatory with some of the guys on the tour, and you know did the la la land pose and all of that nonsense, and fannied around with panorama pictures, and just just had a bit of a nice faffing around morning. But we got there, and and Lakeisha, the, the paramour, had recommended an area to tailgate in, and so we headed over there with a, with a couple of crates of beer and, and with not much plans not like some of the other tailgates where we'd had ideas of of the the groups we were going to meet who they were where they were going to be what we'd have to pay for stuff etc and I think this works better when you are a smaller group of kind of seven or eight but we ended up just getting down there and just just going and chatting to people and we met uh, Trevor and his dad whose name is going to absolutely escape me right now Carly what's Trevor's dad Brian. Brian Brian that was it Brian Sorry, when you're on Skype, if I talk over you, it cuts you out, which is obviously ideal for me. 
Uh, the um, <laughs> good reaction. Um, and Brian just immediately took us under his wing. Started offering us beer. Started offering us tri-tip and all sorts of barbecue off his grill. And then started introducing us to other Super Rams fans. And we got chatting to Trevor, who makes his own cornhole boards and and burns the American flag into them. It was all very rah rah American. But we then he ended up then kind of taking us under his wing and leading us around and and. Do you know what? The last two or three tailgates we went to, I thought San Francisco was the same. San Diego, Los Angeles. I've spent very little time at West Coast games getting out and getting to do the authentic tailgate thing. And because it's a very um, uh, kind of very, a lot of Mexican and Hispanic based fans, uh, the tailgate is incredibly authentic, incredibly full of life. The music's great. You get the SoCal kind of hip hop going on. The the food is just barbecue and tacos. And I, I just honestly, they were some of the best tailgates I've ever been to from a people perspective. And then we went and played some cornhole and some beer pong. And, and the reason I want to bring on to that, Ollie, I played some regulation cornhole. We lost 21-18. Yeah. Regulation cornhole is very different to normal cornhole. If anyone hasn't played cornhole before, it's where you've got to get a bag of corn into the hole on a board from normally when we've done it before, about 15 feet away. In regulation, it's 27 yards. And it is so difficult. It's ridiculously hard. And me and Trevor ended up getting beat by the people whose cornhole board it was. But it was 21-18. It wasn't too bad. And then beer pong happened, Ollie. Beer pong did happen. I've been, I was wondering about the tailgate, chilling out and, and meeting locals and 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 uh, getting to know people. And you, I, I see that you're playing a bit of, um, playing a bit of beer pong and, and you're losing badly. Something like... I don't know, how many cups were there? We're doing four on four, and it's 24 cups each. Four on four, so it's a big game of beer pong. And we, at this point, are down. We've got maybe 15 cups left to get, and they've only got four. We are being absolutely obliterated. It's embarrassing at this point. It is embarrassing at this point. There's Trevor and and three uh, female Americans against the tour group, and the tour group... Bree and Mel and Bree's mum, whose name I can't remember. I don't remember any of them. Um, and then um, th- some of the tour group, people subbing in and out, you wearing what a What do you mean pom- subbing in and out? Right, let's call them out. Connor, what were you doing? Steve, what were you doing? They just they just backed away. They were like, do you know what? We're rubbish. We're not getting involved anymore. Well, I came along. I saw this these odds stacked against the travelling Brits. You slapped on the magical Rams poncho. Slapped on the, the giant magical Rams poncho. And I lead us back from 15-4 to 15-3 down. Goes to the last, the last cup. It's one cup all. The Americans are reeling. They can't believe what's going on. I've got four ping-pong balls. One goes left. One goes right. The next one goes left again. The final one. I'm surely going to lose if I give these ping-pong balls back. The final one. Alley-oop. In the cup it goes. And I do a celebration around the, the tailgate, around fans who have no idea why this tiny man in a giant <laughs> yellow and blue poncho is, is doing some sort of football celebration, uh, which I then wheel my way back to the, the ping pong table and do a Maori, uh, <laughs> a Maori <laughs> kind of celebration. It, it, 
it's all rather bizarre. It was wonderful. It was one of my favourite things that happened the whole trip. We got into the game, and look, I think enough people have talked enough about this game that you don't necessarily need to hear us talk about it again. You need to know that in person, it was it was like a fever dream. The amount of plays that happened in that game, the turnovers, the defensive touchdowns, the big distance scores. I think that's what's interesting about this game is there weren't any six, seven, eight minute drives that you sometimes get in high scoring games. It was punch for punch, blow for blow, heavyweight boxing. And I think it was interesting that the defenses both stepped up, stepped up. They both got defensive stops, that the special teams got involved. Johnny Hecker, a huge reason that the Rams were able to pin back a, a team who have themselves been fantastic on special teams with brilliant return ability in, in the likes of particularly Tyreek Hill on punts. But I think more than anything else, I kind of came away from this game saying, yes, I'd love to see that again at Super Bowl 53. But I just feel like there are enough flaws there that the two more balanced teams currently in each conference in the Steelers and Saints will have watched Monday night and thought, okay, there's a lot to deal with there, a lot to contend with, but actually get a chance to get these teams potentially on our home soil. I think they would think they're going to get the beating of them. I think that's a really great point. I mean, the the defensively, there are there are, there were issues. Okay, you had the big turnovers. Both teams on offense are just are just lights out, it, it, spectacular stuff. And I think I think the two teams p- played off of each other and then started playing like each other. I think there's a there's a, a bit of audio going around where the Rams, some of the Rams uh, wide receivers are saying, "Man, they play like us," you know. So both the teams fed off the way that each other were playing, really bought into what, what each other were doing. And it was blow for blow. It was uh, it was Rocky versus Apollo Creed or Rocky versus Drago. It, it, it was it was exactly like that. There, there are a couple of players I want to highlight in particular. I mean, there's obviously going to be a lot of love for Samson Ebukam. And, and rightfully so, the two touchdowns returned. But also, he was the man that got pressure in Pat Mahomes' face when he threw the two interceptions in the fourth quarter. One, he got an arm on his arm, and that's why he wobbled through the wobbler, which landed in Marcus Peters' arms. And then he got the pressure on the second one as well. And Marcus Peters deserves some love himself. When I watched the game back, I thought uh, for... There were a number of plays in the third and fourth quarters where he got matched up on Travis Kelsey one-on-one and did really well in those situations, was jamming him on the line, which isn't an easy thing to do, and being able to to beat him as well. And it was actually uh, Kelsey who gave up the, the first pressure to Ebukam for the first uh, fourth-quarter interception for Pat Mahomes. But it was the front sevens of both teams, which I think are kind of like the unsung heroes, I know everyone's going to look at Aaron Donald and the two strip sacks and say, what you know, what a brilliant play from him. But he was fantastic and put himself in the Defensive Player of the Year right up at the top with Khalil Mack. But I thought the front seven of Kansas City, six stops in the end. Chris Jones was fantastic. D Ford and Justin Houston got home. Uh, I thought that Alan Bailey looked good. I d- honestly, I just, I, I think there's, there are enough on this defences to think that whilst Right now, if I were to power rank the conferences, I might have uh, the Steelers and Chiefs might be about level. I might have the Saints just slightly above the Rams. There should be enough there that they I've got. We, honestly, the conference finals and then the Super Bowl this year, if the right teams get through, could be the most entertaining we've had in years. It'll, it will be incredible if they do get um, the, 
those two side, those two teams on each side do get to the the conference finals, and it's almost whichever team gets that that uh, home advantage will probably win the the division. And um, if the game if that game has been played in Arrowhead, you'd expect fifty four fifty one to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. So the home and field advantage, I think, helped a little bit. It was just a stunning game. I know you mentioned some of the guys on defense, but Gerald Everett and Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds had a really great game being schemed out of the slot, out wide, brilliantly by Sean McVay. Everett dancing, tiptoeing down the touchline, and then pieing off Dave Damashek was awesome as well. Um, And then a, a guy who I did not rate, when he well last season especially I did I thought he was um, I thought he was limited, but Jared Goff had the, some of the throws that he made, especially that one to to Jared Everett to win the game was just just on the money bang on. My and my went, um, my personal MVP race right now goes Drew Brees number one, Mahomes and Goff joint second, and I don't think anyone else touches them right now. And Monday Tyreek night makes a huge part of that. Tyree Kill is obviously a great playmaker, but the MVP conversation is going to come down to quarterbacks, really. You know, running back, we thought had an outside chance coming into it, but how amazing is it we had a game this good with, uh, you know, Gurley only rushing for about 55 yards, doing another 40 or so in the air, no score for him, breaking that ridiculous streak. Um, Mahomes, from his perspective, very flashy numbers in the 478 yards and the six touchdown passes. He's got 37 touchdowns in 11 games and made some unbelievable throws, but also committed five turnovers and might be the reason that, that Casey lost that game. Goff, I thought, was absolutely superb throughout the evening. And uh, I... He just he took himself from an also ran to an actual runner in that MVP race. I thought with that performance on Monday night. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I thought he was really, really good. Lots of poise, and where we were starting, the adrenaline took us all the way through to the end. But by the end of it, we were absolutely spent and knackered, and and um, just blown away by the occasion. He stood firm. The the he he didn't look tired. Whereas it, perhaps. Perhaps Pat Mahomes did look a little tired come the end. Jared Groff did not look tired. He looked great. So um, keep him healthy. They've got a really great chance. Really great chance. It was an amazing game. It was so funny afterwards as well. We got the train back into town. We had to wait in that ludicrous train queue to get out of the Coliseum. And then we we got back downtown, walked back to our hotel and and went over the road for a a Japanese meal. We're staying in Little Tokyo, which I recommend highly. Little Tokyo, right by the Arts District. Really cool place to stay. Um, But honestly, it was the, the seven of us that were left on the tour at that point with you and I and with Connor, JJ, with Jelfy. Jelfy! Uh, with um, with Nick and uh, and with Justin, uh, Justin, 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 my very own Justin. Um, <laughs> and there were points in that meal where we were just all so shell-shocked from what we'd seen. Like, we thought we were going to go out for a big night out, but we were all just kind of sat there having a beer, just taking in everything and just... Is it the best live game of football you've ever seen? Yeah. Yeah, it, it beats the Penn State four overtimes which is incredible to think that in a whiteout as well 108,000 people this beats that because of the quality of offense on show the 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 jeopardy the flip-flop the four the four um change of leads in the 
final fourth quarter. I think it wasn't there 30 points in the fourth quarter. Just ridiculous. 30, it was just... 35 points and four lead changes in the fourth quarter. There you go. I mean, it was the best live game of football I've ever seen. And people have been, you know, some of the, the football snobs and the football purists have been banging on about how, oh, no, it's it, it, where was the defence in this? You're not allowed to play defence anymore. Some of the penalties in the first half were ridiculous. Those dissipated the second half. And um, maybe something was had been sent down from from the league to the, the referee saying, look, man, you just got to let these guys play a little bit more. But I think... On the Around the NFL podcast, I think Chris Wessling put it best, that before the, this game was like the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, it, it was um, it was, it was an awakening of football and perhaps we're seeing a new era of, um, of, of football after this game itself. I, um, I, uh, <laughs> I, the last thing I want to say on it, and this is picking up directly off something that the ATN guys did, but the the level of talent on show, just very quickly, people who you could imagine as future Hall of Famers in this side, Tyreek Hill, Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, maybe even Kareem Hunt. On the defensive side of the ball, Justin Houston has a shout if he uh, picks up a late career run. You look at the, the Rams team and you think to yourself, all right, obviously if, if he has a successful career, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, uh, you, you've got you know, a number of those wide receivers could put themselves in that conversation. And Domican Sue, Aaron Donald, so many great players. Marcus Andrew Peters, Whitworth. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, Johnny Hecker. You know, there are... Johnny Hecker, wow. That, there, there, there was a punt, no joke, from his own 20 that landed inside the end zone. That's an 80-something, 82-yard punt. It was ridiculous. Field splitting. It, it, he was instrumental as well. Incredible, incredible game. If you haven't watched it back, go like, go to Game Pass, download not just the game, the 40-second stuff, download the three hours with the adverts cut out. It, it, just, just do it. It was such a great game. And do you have a family member you want to get into the NFL who you think has never given it enough of a chance? This is the game to show them. Right, let's take a quick break and then we'll uh, take a quick look forward to Thanksgiving Slate and uh, get the latest from Skybet as well. Are you listening to The Gridiron Show? Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, right? It is Thanksgiving today. Thank you to NFL UK for the pumpkin pie treat, by the way, in the office. Uh, And go to Instagram, go to... um, I'm going to do a highlights on my Instagram, Will Gav of the trip with some of my favourite little Insta story moments on there. Uh, But check out Ollie's Instagram uh, and his Twitter, at Ollie Hunter. I'll put out the video of him celebrating the beer pong today as well, because it's well worth a little Thanksgiving treat of a watch. Uh, so let's just look at this slate of games very quickly and pick them for the gridiron uh, for the gridiron pick'em. Starting off with the Chicago Bears seven and three at the Detroit Lions. This is a Chicago Bears team that are likely, it looks like, to be led by Chase Daniel tonight. Is that enough of a step down for Mitchell Trubisky, Ollie, for you to give the Lions a shot? I think it is for me. Uh, uh, the Lions are generally quite good on their own patch at, on Thanksgiving. They regularly start it off, and even without carry on Johnson and Marvin Jones. I think Matt Stafford on, on his own soil, that defense played a little better last week. I, I've got the Lions to win this game. I think the bringing in Chase Daniel, all right, Mr. Trubisky has, um, I'm not the biggest fan, but 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions on the year. 
he's played better than a lot of people have uh, thought that he would do. Uh, He's won some of those games as well, the six-touchdown game, for instance. And I think the Chase Daniel coming in is is enough of a disruption, despite how good that Bears defense is for the Lions to win, for me. For me... Even though Lions snapped that three-game uh, losing streak with the win at uh, the weekend over the Panthers and are in desperation mode if they want to make the playoffs this season. No carry-on Johnson likely for the game tonight. He's week-to-week week with a knee strain picked up this weekend against the Panthers. And I actually thought the Panthers were the better team and just got in their own way this past weekend, having watched the highlights back now. So uh, I'm going to take the Chicago Bears defensive unit to go there and make this a classy attritional thanksgiving game to kick us off i'm taking the bears ollie fair enough you take the bears i'm taking the lions what are you going to do about it i mean i'm just glad we're disagreeing on something after 10 11 days of just too much of a love in this do you know what um i had messages on twitter saying that people had been in, on the instagram saying they've been enjoying watching this little bromance trip over the pro- previous week or so but oh. the weirdest thing someone said to me ollie was uh, our boss, Mike Bovel today, who said to me, watching your social media was like watching you take your overly hairy child on a trip around America. <laughs> That's very funny. And the way I behaved at the USC-UCLA game, um, where you basically parented me round uh, through my state, I, I, I'd like to thank you for that. Thank you. Right, what a, an, what's turned into an incredible game in uh, in the middle game on this night on this game on uh, on Thursday night because the the Washington team are in Dallas to face the Dallas Cowboys. If the Cowboys win this one, they move to the top of the NFC East at six and five. Think about that three games ago where we weren't giving them a shot. Washington now led by Adrian Peterson and the the controversy that he's had over recent days when he admits that he still strikes his child uh, with a belt, not with a... doesn't take it as far as he did before, uh, which has caused a lot of people to to lash out against him and the team. And Colt McCoy, the famed Texas Longhorn and son of the Lone Star State, returns to face off with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean... The Cowboys have really found a way to win games in the last few weeks, thanks to a couple of factors. Since the bye week, the run game, they've averaged 150 yards a game versus averaging 80 in the two games before the bye week. Uh, and Leighton Van Der Esch has turned into an absolute superstar, got an interception, is leading, has over 100 tackles on the season despite being in a part-time role early in the year. If Washington aren't healthy up front, then I think Dallas should win this one. I don't see anything other than the Dallas win. The, the Dallas defense is better than the Washington offense. That's just that's just a fact. They, the Washington haven't been able to do anything in the receiving game. Okay, they managed to get Jordan Reed some touchdown action and some yards last week with Colt McCoy a bit. But Colt McCoy is not Alex Smith, and I'm gutted for Alex Smith. The, the way he broke his leg just absolutely horrifying. And I don't think they can come back from it. I was at this game two years ago. AT&T is an, an amazing, incredible place, and in the most vociferous of uh, and and patriotic of atmospheres for America's team under the lights, the world watching Thanksgiving. There's the only one winner in this, and that has to be the Dallas Cowboys. And I know they're seven points favourite. I I'd say at least ten points they'll beat the 
the Washington Football the, the, Club. The only thing I will say is that Washington of the sixth-ranked run defence, Ryan Kerrigan, I love Matthew Ayanadis. Uh, it's a team that I like up front. My problem is is that since they brought Amari Cooper, and even though Cooper hasn't himself lit things up, it's shown just how much they needed a more like a number one receiver out there because it has forced... They've been able to play that kind of 11 personnel with just one running back, one tight end a lot more often instead of those heavy set lines. Defences yep. can't then load the box. They have to prepare for the pass. Prescott's game has improved because of it in recent weeks and it's it's all starting to click a bit for Dallas. So a team that I have to say I, I was writing off three or four weeks ago, well, they could very well be playoff bound. I'm also taking the Cowboys, but I think it's going to be tighter than, than you're suggesting, Ollie. Um then we finish off with the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. At the beginning of the season, I was looking at this on Thanksgiving and thinking, what a game. But the Falcons suffering a horrible loss again this past weekend, making it back. They clawed their way back to 4-4, four and four and I was like, right, right, come on. Let's get you into a wild card spot, Atlanta. They've lost back-to-back games since they're against the Browns and then losing this past weekend. Uh, just, it felt like the final nail in the coffin of a season that really shouldn't have gone this way and injuries have made a huge part of it, but they've scored 24 points or less in in four out of 10 games this season, while the Saints through 10 games have six 40-point games already. That has tied the NFL record with six games left to play. I just don't think the Falcons' defence can can stand up to them. And it's no surprise to see the over-under set around 60 and New Orleans to be favoured practically by two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I can't see anything different. The defense of Atlanta was decimated at the beginning. They've got um, uh, they've got one piece back in Jones, but they, no Devontae Freeman and the, the Falcons' offense has um, has stuttered a bit. Matt Ryan, all right, the, the the his line looks good: twenty-two touchdowns, four interceptions, but he 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 hasn't looked as as good as he did two or three years ago. And the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees, just the one interception on the year, which that's an amazing stat. I, I do think they use Taysom Hill too much. They don't use him enough as a decoy, whereas you know when Taysom Hill comes into the game, he's likely going to get the ball. He'll likely run with the ball. He'll likely throw, with, throw the ball. Or Drew Brees will throw him the ball. And there's not enough of using him as a decoy and using other people to make plays off of Taysom Hill. But... Um, that I think the the the, the Saints defense m- may have Marcus Davenport back, and it, even if he's back limited, that that bodes well for next week. And the the, the Saints will roll on to ten or ten and one. It's going to be a a cracking final final game. Love it. Uh, yeah. I, I, the thing is about the Atlanta offense. I think. Th- Matt Ryan is still playing really well statistically. He still has over 70% completion, still over 300, 300 yards per game. Julio Jones is off the kind of touchdown snide, uh, leads the league in in receiving. Calvin Ridley was brilliant in the first game against the Saints. There's enough there to make me think the Falcons can keep this closer than that 12 and a half odd points or whatever it is that they're favoured by. But I'd be stunned if the Saints don't win this one at home and, and potentially on their way to a Super Bowl appearance in the home of their bitter rivals. What an amazing story that would be. Oh, yeah. Ollie, we're going to get the odds for Thursday night and a few other bits and pieces with Jacob from Skybet. But before we do that, any final thoughts from you? No final thoughts. I'm going to go back and see if I can catch another hour sleep before I need mm-hmm. to go to work. 
Although I probably need to search for houses because I'm going to be out of my house in four weeks' time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful stuff, buddy. Well, uh, I look forward to seeing you again when you get here. Uh, Bye, buddy. Because I don't spend enough time with you at the moment. Uh, and uh, hopefully both of our voices can recover by the time we do another podcast, previewing the Sunday slate tomorrow. 100%. I miss you, man. See you later, buddy. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right, let's get the latest odds now with Jacob from Skybet. Right, let's get the latest odds now with our friends at Skybet. Jacob joins us to look forward to Thanksgiving. Jacob, uh, one of our favourite days of the year. Can't wait to get on the turkey and the pumpkin pie. And, of course, the football. Yeah, it's going to be a great day. We've got three good divisional games, so I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're going to have some, some crackers. So let's start off with how you guys are viewing the early uh, kickoff with the Bears heading to face the Detroit Lions. Yeah, so we've got the Bears at a minus three on the handicap. They're sitting at eight to 13 for the game. The total points lines at 43 and a half. The, uh, the money on this game is about even from the public. I think it was more Bears heavy early in the week, but since it's now come out that Trubisky might not be starting, then we've seen a bit more money flow to the Lions, although the Lions haven't changed, the Lions haven't changed too much. You know, the Lions are missing... Marvin Jones, they're missing Kerryon Johnson, so injuries are going to affect both games here, both teams here. Yeah, I, I, it's the um, that's why I was kind of surprised by the fact that we're seeing the, the line kind of drift towards the Lions a bit, or the betting or the money moving towards the Lions a bit, because they have the injury problems of their own, and I'm not sure that Blake Portals North, sorry, Mitchell Trubisky missing is, is enough of that for me, so... I, I mean, I still like the Bears because of their defense, um, but I'd like them to uh, to cover that line as well. Certainly, what what about the? Because um, we're going to have some trebles for people, but what about talking about the individual games? The 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 big NFC East clash between Washington and Dallas because this is a, this is massive to the outcome of this division now. Yeah, this is really big. Obviously, we Alex Smith getting with season ending injury. The Redskins were. Four or six favourites for the division at that point, and now it's completely switched. And the Cowboys are now eight to eleven for the division. So this is a massive game for them to prove if they are going to go on and win that division. This they, they need to start here. So they're sitting at seven point favourites. They're two to seven, and the points line sitting pretty low, forty one and a half. So obviously, the Redskins. It's going to be what what they can do on offense. You know, Colt McCoy came in and he threw that touchdown, but. He really struggled to get the ball downfield, and we saw him panicking a little bit and scrambling quite a lot. So, Cowboys, this, this has been the most popular choice on the spread. I think of the three games, the most money on the spreads has been on the Cowboys to cover. So, uh, then with the late game, uh, we've got the Falcons and Saints, and well, we're expecting a points fest, and I think most people are expecting a Saints victory. Yeah, Saints sitting at minus 10 and a half. The points line sitting again very high, like you say, We're sitting at fifty nine and a half, so only five points behind what we what we had the line at for, for Monday night on the Rams and the Chiefs. Um again all the money on the Saints to cover here. I think the Falcons have really struggled of late and the Saints are they're, they're getting right into their groove down the stretch. So I, here's what I like for the late game. We're going to do a request a bet for the late game, then we'll do one across the three games. For the late game I'm gonna take the Saints to cover for the over and for Drew Brees to get four-plus passing touchdowns. Yeah, so we've got that. Saints minus 13 and a half, 60-plus points, and Brees, four-plus passing touchdowns going up at six to one. 
Breeze has been able to do his thing and really, really cement himself in the MVP conversation, now sitting as the favourite, as now evens money shot, especially after Mahomes kind of struggled a little bit taking care of the football. And then the Falcons are just on defence. They've, they've really struggled. They've not just given up a, lo- a lot of yardage and touchdowns to receivers, but they actually lead the league in opposing receptions to running backs. So this could be a big game for Kamara. And again, that obviously just to contribute towards Breeze's passing touchdowns. And if you look at the Saints' defence over the last two games, even though they're going against a Falcons offence with a lot of options, they're second in the NFL over the last two weeks in points per game, yards per game, interceptions and total QBR allowed. So they're performing well on both sides of the ball. That's why I like them to cover uh, as well, even though the, uh, I think the Falcons will certainly have a say in this game early on. I think later that the Saints will begin to run away with it. So I'm definitely a fan of that. Now, the, the across the three games, picking something from each game to, to kind of back, I always like these sorts of ones because it keeps the whole night interesting. So I'm going to take Khalil Mack to get at least a sack in the game. I'm going to get the Cowboys to cover at that minus six and a half. And then Alvin Kamara with what you were just saying about balls out of the backfield. I'm going to have him score two plus touchdowns. Yeah, so that's going up at six to one as well, funnily enough. Right, you say Khalil Mack, he's had three sacks in the last two games and he had two against the Lions last week. What really stood out to me, sorry, two weeks ago, but what really stood out to me last week against the Vikings was how... He was really, he was double teamed early on in the game loads, and then the DC that Fangio, you notice he moves into like a wide nine technique. Mm-hmm. It really makes it really really hard for you to double team because the guard can't get wide enough. So I could see them try to do a similar thing again because it takes you a little bit out of the run game. But this is a Lions team who's probably not going to have much of a run game, and when you've got an absolute beast like keep hit inside, I could see them try to use Matt Moore as just get to the passer, and it makes it really really tough for the O line. So that's for the sacks. And then Cowboys, I think the spread is, is the way to go. We were saying money-wise. And then Kamara for those out of the backfield. So six six to one for, for those three. I love the way Akeem Hicks played this past weekend as well. That also gives me more faith that Mac is going to be able to get to the quarterback. So those are my request to bets. But you guys are doing a rollover boost special as well. Yeah, so this week for Thanksgiving, as we've got the three games, we're running what we call our rollover boost. So... The first game, we've got Jordan Howard, first touchdown scorer. That's six to one, boosted to eight to one. So if that loses, then we'll have a, a boost on the Cowboys the Redskins game. That will be a bigger boost. And then if that one loses, it gets bigger again. So each time it loses, it gets bigger until it either wins or we run out of games. So <laughs> keep keep your eye on that. Um, hopefully, hopefully it uh, it wins rather than we run out of games. Well, and and the fact is, is that. They're, these Thanksgiving games you've got to remember because the half times and everything they give them four hour windows so you will have time if a bet comes in to get if a bet isn't going to come in or looks like it's not going to come in there'll be time to get in and get on that uh, boosted bet for the next game and for the next game as well you've just got to be there and ready to go at skybet.com yeah so this is why we've picked so the first one we've picked first touchdown scorer purposefully so that it gives you time for the next one it means that we've got extra time rather than something that's going to run for the whole game and then only give you that half an hour, 45-minute window at the end. We've tried to pick things that are going to be settled quite early so that if there is, if it does lose and we've got the next one up, you've still got a couple hours to get on. 
so considerate, Jacob. Um, <laughs> brilliant stuff as always. Don't forget, over 18s only. Terms and conditions at skybet.com. And please gamble responsibly. Jacob, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much.